0: Hey guys, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and want to support it, you can visit anchor.fm slash mathematically speaking and hit the support this podcast tab. If you want to leave me a comment or feedback of any kind, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Adam underscore Elisha. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I am your host, Adam Allred, and I'd like to apologize for that two-month hiatus between episodes. I was finishing my fall semester and things got a bit more intense than I had anticipated, but I am back now and I am planning on recording as many episodes as I can in my six weeks off. And so just to give a little recap before we start today's episode, we were having a thought experiment uh, rebuilding the education system. If it was entirely thrown out and the question of do we bring math back into it? Uh, what each of these mathematical philosophies that we'll be look, that we're looking at, what would they say about bringing it back in, and the purpose of math education? So the first one we talked about was Platonism, and how it's Plato had this idea that everything that we see around us is just an approximation to a truer reality that exists beyond us, and that includes mathematical entities. And so, when mathematicians, when they're doing math, they're interacting with this world, and then there was formalism, which said that yes we well we didn't we're not discovering math or we're inventing math, but it's entirely it's it's just based on logic, and there's just this mechanical system there's mechanical rules that you follow, and you'll get any answer you want and then there's today's perspective the perspective that we're going over today is called the social humanist point of view and it simply says that people invented mathematics for its civic utility and people like to have that debate of whether do we are we inventing math are we discovering it are these patterns existing in the universe and we're just kind of putting them into a language or are we inventing all of these things because that's what we see the world around him. but those formulas aren't out there. We're making the formulas, we're making the language. And this perspective would say that we invented it entirely. Everything about mathematics has been invented by us. And... Since it's invented by us and everything, that means everything around us affects mathematics. I I believe I mentioned this a few episodes back, talking about Pascal and the invention of probability theory. The philosophy at the time and the economics at the time and the politics at the time, they all came into play in creating this mathematics in the mathematics of probability theory or the mathematics that Pascal did. There was other people that did probability before him. So if we invented it, there had to be an original need, uh, something to spark the necessity for the creation of what we now call mathematics. But at the time, it wasn't called math. It was just a thing. It was a tool. It was part of everyday life. It wasn't really a subject of study like it is now. And so I'm going to pose to you a question that was asked of me, and I had no idea about the answer. So why are there 360 degrees in a circle? And it seems like a very dumb question to ask because the answer is just, well, yes, there are. But we invented circles. So we said that there are 360 degrees in them. Why that number? And it starts with the need to measure time to keep track of a to, to keep track of food, really, because you, you don't have food, you don't have math. Not sure if you ever tried doing math homework while hungry it's impossible that's same true for inventing the subject and so when you're starting a, a agricultural society you need a way to measure time because you need to have a harvest season you need to have a hunting season you need to have a a planting season uh, you have to be able to keep track of these parts of the year to have an accurate to have a not an accurate way but an efficient way of making sure that you can const- you are able to constantly have food and then develop a society around that. So, one of the first ways of measuring time was a sundial, and all you do is you stick a stick in the ground and you watch the shadow and then you make you're able to make marks along until it reaches that initial point again. And so you, we could call them the first mathematicians, but they were really just, they were probably farmers or hunters, or they were just people, really. And they had—they stuck their stick in the ground, and they made a marker of where the shadow is now, and they just watched it. And over a long period of time, they started noticing this pattern, that there were 360 little tick marks until it reached the the starting point again. But sometimes it would be three sixty one. Sometimes it'd be three. There, there was give or take five days, or five extra tick marks, and and so the year, what we call the year, became three hundred sixty days plus five, and that's be, that's because there was three hundred sixty tick marks in the sand and the dirt or whatever before it got back to the starting point and this was happened over a year they made a tick mark every day and noticed where the where the sun started so there was 360 plus five days we call it 365 but it was 360 and then plus five that plus five was for celebration and for uh, worshiping whatever gods that they had as like a thank you uh, for whatever happened that year but the year was 360 days long. And so there are 360... So we said that there are 360 degrees in a circle because of this reason. And it ended up being really useful. Because their counting system... So we'll review a little what a counting system is. We have a base 10 counting system. And we think that's a really obvious one because we have 10 fingers. And all that means is that you have 9 individual... Symbols So we have 0 the letters or the numbers sorry 0 through 9 and then we start combining them to make other numbers So We have a base 10 counting system. We have ones place tens place hundred place, etc. etc So a base 60 counting system would have 0 through 59 individual symbols and Then they would start combining to repeat So that seems like it's a it's a lot more annoying but if you're trying to keep track of time for harvesting and for just keeping track of time throughout a year, knowing how how long a half a year is is really useful. Knowing how long a quarter or a third or a sixth or a tenth or a fifth of a year is is very useful. Or a twelfth of a year. And you can do that with a base 60 counting system because 60 divides really nicely in halves, and quarters, and thirds, and sixths, and tenths, and fifths, and twelfths, whereas ten, the number ten only divides nicely with two and five and ten. A third of ten is a really relatively gross number compared to a quarter of sixty, that's just fifteen. Again, that's really nice to handle, and it's really, there's no need for a decimal system. You can have whole numbers all you all day long, that's all you need, and so this counting system was invented just for its utility, just because it was easy to use. And this, the first uh, count, the first place that we know of that had this base 10 counting system was the uh, Mesopotamia area, it was Babylon. Um, so, we call either Mesopotamians or Babylonians, it was a relatively expansive area, but we they. Babylon was a very... was a city. And we, Babylonians, Mesopotamians, we go back and forth with between calling them that. But in the Americas, they didn't have a base 10 counting system. They had a base 20 counting system. And one of the oldest mathematical uh, artifacts that we have is called the Ishago bone. Ishango bone. I'm probably saying that wrong. And it has just 20... It has a bunch of tick marks in it in groups of 20. And for a while, people didn't really understand what this was, and then they figured it out. They, the people in Central Americas where this was found had a base 20-counting system because it followed the menstruation cycle of women. And so they would just make a, a tick mark every day, and then when the 20 was up, oh, I'm, the cycle repeats itself. And so instead of in Mesopotamia, for instead of food being the way that they counted their time, it was the women's menstruation cycle when they had their period. That was when that was how they developed their counting system. That's how they developed their mathematics. But again, they had 360 days in a year. They didn't have it based off 20. They had 360 days in a year plus five, and then they had their 18 months and their um i forget how many weeks in a year they had i don't think that matters right now anyways so it it was again it was just something that they had around them it was around them it was something physically happening to the women that helped them develop their accounting system and if you can't count then you don't have mathematics counting and measurement and arithmetic is very foundational for the invention of mathematics. We kind of take that all for granted. Very few people have the have a, a number sense or have a, a measurement of time sense in, the, in them because we kind of all just... Technology has taken that need away from us, which isn't a bad thing. It's just a thing that happens. Math was used to invent that to make it easier for us. Um, but initially it started with just what's around me that happens regularly what's something that's cyclical that happens in a cycle whether it be a woman's period or whether it be when crops grow and so like again back to um back to the middle east and mesopotamia area area the nile river would flood every year they had to know when that was going to happen and if you didn't if you were just kind of were saying well it happens when it happens that's a very inaccurate inefficient way if you're trying to farm But if you're saying it happens the quarter of every year, then you know exactly when that's going to happen. So back to our thought experiment. If this perspective was used, what would that look like? What would that look like in a classroom? If mathematics is something that's invented for its civic utility, then people should learn things that help them. Because that's one of the biggest claims, or what's one of the biggest complaints from students is that they don't see mathematics as useful. And people who are good at mathematics, we see. Well, obviously, this is useful. Well, yes, it is useful to us because we like it. So it's fun for us. We can find we can do precalculus because it's just who cares? It's fun. That's why it's useful. And we think we sell the soft skills of mathematics: the critical thinking, the spatial intuition, the the number sense. But we. But the content itself is not useful and people students are getting more and more fed up with that. So if this perspective was used in a classroom, instead of pre-calculus, maybe there'd be number theory. We'd be teaching about how computers do mathematics discreetly and how everything is an integer. And there's no decimals aren't really a thing for computers. Everything's just really chalked up finely in, into integers. Run really, really, really fast. And so you wouldn't have to be stressing about pre-calculus and how to factor quadratic equations and everything because that's not useful for the everyday person of course this has to be kept in context to the person who's not going to go on and be an engineer and a doctor because those people will learn that other math in their higher math classes but if you're done taking math at where now is algebra 2 it's useless But if you had, instead of geometry being taught the way it is, if you were taught a little bit of things about something called matrices, which we will go into in another subject, in another episode, matrices and how that is how animations are done today, that sounds a bit more interesting than geometric proofs, which when you hear that, you're going to have flashbacks, and you're going to remember hating them, because that's a lot of the times that's where people start hating math, is geometry and their proofs. And If it's not that, then it's algebra two. Um, if you're a person that just doesn't do mathematics after after high school or for a little bit in college, so those are the three perspectives that we've that we're going to be looking at in this series. I might come back to the idea of the philosophy of mathematics um, in a future time, or do other. Uh, other branches of it there's things called uh, intuitionism and constructivism and we'll see how this podcast goes but this perspective is one i'm going to be coming back to over and over again or these three really but this one this one in particular because i believe it is the one that will if this thing is if it's adapted then this will allow the education system to change at least in mathematics which is what i care about and it'll be this perspective that allows a perspective, the perspective on mathematics to change. And if education's goal is to better your life, if that is the reason for gaining knowledge, that is the reason you're a person who listens to an educational type of podcast about math, or maybe you listen to a philosophy one or a news-based one because you're trying to gain knowledge, then... You should be able. Don't the reason you enjoy that is because you either find utility in it because you can physically do something with that knowledge, or it helps you gain a better perspective of the world you live in. And if what you're learning isn't doing of those two things, we tend to not care about it. And the math, the way that math is taught today, it's a lot of memorization. And even though every school claims to promote critical thinking, memorizing doesn't do that. Having Giving a method to solve a formula and then showing the easiest, easiest equation that it solves doesn't do that. And so people like to complain about the younger generation not being, knowing how to think or not knowing how to have these skills. But they were put into an education system that does not teach them how to think. Because it's a very hard thing to do, but it doesn't even try. And this perspective, I believe, the social humanist perspective, I believe, is at least in mathematics, is a way to change that. So I'm going to get off my soapbox a little bit. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It would mean a lot to me if you were able to share it with your friends. And I am now on Apple Music. Um, I know I wasn't on there for a while, but I'm now on it. So if you have friends that aren't listening because they only do the Apple Music thing, I'm on there now as well, so you can just search Mathematically Speaking. I would love to hear some feedback, so you can find me on Instagram or at Twitter under Adam Elisha, and I hope you have a fantastic day, and I'll see you soon.